The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Over the past few weeks, we've been doing a series on the spiritual armor found in Ephesians chapter 6. We've looked at six items of armor so far, the last one being the sword of the Spirit, which we learned is the Word of God. Sometimes, in a consideration of the spiritual armor, we stop there, taking the position that the sword of the Spirit is the last item of armor in the spiritual battle that we face and that the next verses move on to a different topic. I don't believe that's the way we should look at it. You'll notice there's a colon between verses 17 and 18, and not a period. I believe Paul was teaching us something about prayer. You see, one of the most important parts of any war is logistics, that is, the supply line. When General George Patton in World War II was pushing across Italy and having great success, he was finally stopped not by the enemy, but by the lack of fuel. He ran out of gas. Child of God, in our spiritual warfare, we don't need to run out of gas. And prayer is the supply line that keeps us fueled. Join us today and tomorrow as we look at this supply line of prayer and see just how essential it is to our success in the battle. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. When the way seems dark and long as I pass amid the throng
headline from December 9th, 1944 of the New York Times was this, General Patton halted by gas shortage. Now, I want you to read you part of this article. Lieutenant General George S. Patton's Third Army motorized advance against Berlin was stopped around Metz by insufficient supplies of gasoline. Frederick C. Crawford, board chairman of the National Association of Manufacturers, disclosed this last night. Mr. Crawford, who returned last week after inspecting the European fighting fronts as guest of the War Department, declared that General Patton's army had knocked the Germans off their feet and only the impossibility of supplying fuel over vast dis distances gave the enemy the count of nine and time to reform. The disclosure marked a peak in the drive by the armed forces to present to manufacturers and the public the critical need for spurring war production to new heights. Tonight, I want to preach to you about the supply line of prayer. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And I want you to notice, there's not a period there, there's a colon. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. This morning, uh, we dealt with the sword of the Spirit, which is the sixth item of armor, that's listed here in chapter 6. And often um, we hear this preached or written about as if that is the last item of armor, the last item that we use in our spiritual warfare here. But I believe there's a seventh item, the supply line of prayer. And let me just give you this warning. Don't run out of gas. Don't run out of gas. That's essentially what Paul is teaching us here. You see, we've got these six items of armor. We've got the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the shoes or the boots of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. We've got all these items of armor. But Paul, as a good soldier, as a good general, you might say, under the inspiration of the great general, did not leave out one of the most important parts of any army's battle, any army's success, and that is the supply line. See, General Patton here was advancing quickly through Sicily and Italy and was on his way to a great victory, and he got stopped because he ran out of gas, because the supply line failed. 
Don't run out of gas. Beloved, prayer is our spiritual supply line. Prayer is the supply line for this soldier that's being talked about here, which is you and I, by the way. This soldier that's been described with all of these different items of armor, he's got to have a supply line. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Prayer is our supply line. Logistics is the art of moving and quartering troops, according to Oxford English Dictionary. Another definition is that it's the detailed coordination of a complex operation involving many people, facilities, or supplies. It's the process of coordinating and moving resources like people, material, inventory, and equipment from one place to another. And the term, we're told, originated in the military, referring to the movement of equipment and supplies to troops in the field. And the truth is this, that an army is only as good as its supply line. Logistics often determines the course of the war. Prayer is our supply line. It is our logistics. And prayer is a wartime activity. It's the supply line of the church in enemy territory. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity wrote this. He said, enemy-occupied territory, that is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed, you might say landed in the skies, and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. I like that. We're in enemy-occupied territory. We've been talking about spiritual warfare for several weeks, indeed a few months. And we started out talking about our great enemies, the threefold enemy of the world, the flesh and the devil that assaults us every day. And then we got to talking about here about this armor that God has given us in this great spiritual warfare. And prayer is the last item. It's the seventh item, I believe, of the spiritual, war, of the spiritual armor of the spiritual warrior. It is the supply line that we need. And it is a direct line. It's a direct line. Th think about some of the war movies you see. I know Paul didn't really have access to this, but we can kind of think in terms of what we know. We, we, there's no reason we can't apply it in our modern times, in our modern way of thinking. When a platoon over in Afghanistan or somewhere like that is under heavy fire, what do they do? They call in air support, right? They get on that walkie-talkie or that satellite phone, and they call in air support. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 tells us about the air support that we have. It says, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. In other words, stand. He's talking about, he's using military terms here. We're in a war and we've got to stand, okay? Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. We've got a lot we could say about that, but just understand he knows what we're going through. He's not oblivious to the battle. He's not seated up on his throne and staring off into the stars. He is intimately involved in every single day of your life. Now listen to what he says. Don't bother him too much. He's real busy. Just kind of pick your time. Get on a waiting list. This past week, we, as some of you know, Sherry and Mason and I went to New York City. And there were several things we wanted to see there. But almost every time we had to, uh, I know Mason wanted to go skating, ice skating at the skating rink there in Rockefeller uh, Center, Rockefeller Plaza. He couldn't just walk out onto the skating rink. He had to make a reservation for a certain time and show up, okay? 
Is that the way God is? Do we have to make a reservation? Do we have to make sure he's not too busy and he'll, he'll put you off for a week or two and then finally get around to it? No. He said, let us come boldly, therefore, under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Beloved, prayer is a direct line into the throne room of God. It's amazing, is it not? He says, come boldly. That word boldly literally means freedom in speaking, unreservedness in speech. It means to come openly, frankly, without concealment. It means to come without ambiguity or circumlocution, free and fearless confidence, cheerful courage. It carries the idea of outspokenness. You know, I understand that we need to be reverent. And when we pray here, we, we're very reverent in our prayers and we certainly always should be reverent, but, but you know, when Peter was sinking beneath the waves, when he was under fire from the world out there, that he, the natural laws of the world, he had his eyes on Jesus, but then he got his eyes off of Jesus and onto the world that was assaulting him, and he began to sink. He didn't, he didn't bow down to his knees out there on the water and say, oh, dear Lord, as we come kindly, boldly before your throne. You know, he didn't do that. He just said, Lord, save me. <laughs> you know how many times I prayed that prayer? I prayed it last night. <laughs> When I saw Brother Buddy's vehicle about 15 feet in front of me and I was going too fast to stop, I was like, Lord, help. I didn't have time to go into the niceties of prayer. But praise God, the Lord heard it anyway because he said, you can come boldly, directly into my presence. Over in Revelation chapter 8, we're told in the first verse that there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. You know, up to that point, Brother Buddy will get to it in his series, I hope, on Revelation. I hope he continues that. And we'll begin to see some of these great, rich visions of what's going on in heaven and how it applies on earth. But over there, up to that point, there's a lot of activity going on in heaven. There's a lot of singing and speaking and shouting and a lot of stuff going on. But suddenly, there's silence for 30 minutes for the space of half an hour. And even as he was watching there, we read that John saw angels that were given trumpets. They weren't blown. But then another angel that had a golden censer came up and had a lot of much incense in it. And it was offered with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And we're told that the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. I don't know all the implications of that, Brother Craig, but I don't know how to describe that exactly. Maybe Brother Buddy can get it exactly right when he preaches it. But I know this. It tells me that God listens when his people pray. Doesn't matter what all is going on in heaven. Doesn't matter all the activity that's going on here on earth. It does not matter. God listens to his people. There was silence in heaven. I can almost see the Lord say, time out. <laughs> Buddy Abernathy and Chris McCool are praying. Because they're about to, well, Brother Chris is about to hit Brother Buddy. I started to say hit each other. We didn't hit each other. <laughs> My children are praying, and I'm going to listen to them. It's a direct line, and beloved, it's a secure line. You know, security and privacy of communications is so essential in warfare today, particularly. It was, it was important back in those days as well, but they, they did their communicating through flags and runners and that sort of thing, and if you could intercept them and, and figure out what was going on, then uh, you could intercept what the enemy was doing. But today, it's digital communications. It's over the airways, and security is so important. But, beloved, I want to tell you, your, your prayer line is a secure line. 
The enemy has no power to interfere with or to stop our prayers. There is no power that Satan has to do that. The other pieces of armor, maybe you could argue they could be touched by the enemy. You know, perhaps he could corrupt the girdle of truth by corrupting your mind. Perhaps he could dent the breastplate of righteousness by getting you to go off into some, uh, some unrighteousness. Perhaps he could trip you up with the, on the boots of the gospel or possibly diminish your shield of faith by diminishing your faith. Maybe he could crack the helmet of salvation, get you to think it's something other than it is. Maybe he can get you to drop the sword of the spirit. But beloved, he can never interfere with our prayers. The prayers are a direct line into the throne room of God. He said we're to come boldly uh, before the throne of grace to find help in grace and to help in time of need. Satan has no place in the throne room of God. Satan's been cast out of heaven. Satan is not there. Nothing is there that can corrupt, that, can, that, that is unrighteous, that is wicked. We have a secure line. John tells us that we have confidence in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Over in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. It's a secure line. And I want to tell you something else. It's a sufficient line. It's completely sufficient. You know, I know and sometimes in military communications, you have to call a certain place to get your gasoline and another place to get another piece of equipment and so forth and so on, but... Everything we need is carried, is, is contained in the presence and throne room of God. Everything we need is completely, everything you need is available to you. There's nothing that's unavailable. Whatever it is, you've got it. Remember back over in Luke chapter 11, Jesus makes this beautiful statement about prayer. He says in verse 9, And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. I know the Armenian takes these verses and twists them around and makes it about eternal salvation. But beloved, this is not about eternal salvation. This is spoken to those who are already in possession of eternal salvation. It's spoken to you and I. You and I have the access to God to ask and to seek. He says, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. You know, there's never been a prayer that you and I as children of God have prayed that has not been answered. You said, now wait a minute, Brother Chris. I asked for that new Cadillac and I never got it. Well, if you never got it, you didn't need it. I'll tell you, everything you need, you've gotten every time you've asked for it. Now, sometimes you ask for things that you don't need or you ask for things so that you might consume them upon your lust, as Peter says. He says you don't receive, you, ask, uh, you, you get not because you ask not, and the things you ask for are the wrong things. I'll tell you one prayer that's always answered, thy will be done. <laughs> if we'll ask God for whatever you want to ask him for, but if we'll put the coda on there, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, that prayer is always answered. He said, for everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And look at these next few verses. I love this because I do ask for some crazy things sometimes. I ask for things that I never needed, you know. I, I, I've asked for things in my job. I've asked for things in my career that, looking back on it, they were foolish, foolish things. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? 
He's saying here that earthly fathers try to give the kind of good gifts to their children that they need. He says, if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then being evil, in other words, you're corrupted and corruptible. But yet you know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? God knows what we need. And he knows everything we need. And he has everything we need. And he gives us everything we need. It is a completely sufficient line. And this morning we talked about the sword of the Spirit. Oftentimes I've said it and maybe you've said it and I've heard others say it. We say that the, the sword of the Spirit is our only offensive weapon. And we saw this morning that it was both offensive and defensive. That a sword Cannot, it's not only available to thrust at the enemy, it's available to block, block the thrusts of the enemy, okay? But the truth of the matter is, is that the sword of the Spirit is not the only weapon that we possess. It's the first one listed, but prayer is also our weapon. And you might even say it's a secret weapon, but we have to use it. Now, you notice that Paul is using this picture of a Roman legionnaire to describe for us the spiritual armor that we, that we have. So he's used, you know, the girdle of truth. He's used the girdle. He's used the boots. He's used the, the breastplate. He's used the shield and so forth. But there's no corresponding piece of armor for the Roman legionnaire. And, and I believe the point here is that, is that what we have is even better than what the Romans had. You know, that weaponry that we are given is better in and of itself, but we've got something else. We've got a secret weapon, if you will, that we can use against the enemy. And it's this, this supply line of prayer. Prayer is not just defensive. Prayer is, certainly is defensive in some ways, but it's something that, that we can use in times. You know, what's he tell us over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe it is? He says, it's, the weapons of our warfare are, are not carnal. They're spiritual under the casting down of strongholds and imaginations. You see, our warfare, our spiritual uh, uh, weaponry, if you will, is sufficient to cast down the spiritual demonic forces out there that are opposed to us. So how do we use it? How do we use this secret weapon? Well, he tells us here in this verse 18. Listen to what he says. Praying always. Praying always. Prayer is to be perpetual. Prayer is to be continual. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, he says, pray without ceasing. And he goes on to say, in everything give thanks. That's prayer to God. He said, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God's will for us is that we stay in constant contact, constant communications. Think about this. Some of you out there that have children that have moved away, that no longer live with you, that maybe live a long ways away. Uh, we have that situation in our head. Austin and Julia live six hours away. They're not there every day to, for us to see them and talk to them. 
we love to hear from them. We want to have communication with them. Now, we, we love hearing from all of our kids, but some of them are a little closer and we hear from them uh, more often. But anytime we can have contact with our children, we want to have contact with them. We want to have communication with them. That's what God is talking about here. That's all prayer is, is communication with God. We should be in constant, perpetual prayer. Now, let me just say this. That doesn't mean that we're constantly in the posture of prayer, okay? Uh, you know, if you're driving down the road, you shouldn't be driving down the road with your hands off the wheel and folded in front of you and your eyes closed. <laughs> but sometimes we should maintain a posture of prayer. But what he's talking about here is not so much the posture of prayer, bowing down on your knees, folding your hands, closing your eyes. That's certainly appropriate at times. But what he's talking about is always maintaining an attitude of prayer, an attitude of prayer. C.S. Lewis, I want to quote him again here. He said, a concentrated mind and a sitting body make for better prayer than a kneeling body and a mind half asleep. <laughs> you know, sometimes I've knelt down to pray. I'm not, it's appropriate to do that. You should do that from time to time. But sometimes I've knelt down to pray and woke up a few minutes later. <laughs> I tend to be a sleepyhead okay I've told you this before I lay down in the bed at night a lot of, and it's appropriate to lay down when you lay down at night to pray but sometimes I, as I've said before I feel like I prayed all night because I go to sleep praying and I wake up praying <laughs> and slept for about eight hours in between but you see the point is this is that we should always maintain the attitude of prayer and that is a communication with God. Whether we're kneeling, whether we're standing with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, whether we're in our prayer closet, or whether we're just walking across the road or down the street or driving on the roads of this world, we should maintain an attitude of communication with God. Over in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Paul writes the following. He says, be careful for nothing. I've heard this statement before. And I get it. I kind of understand it. And it's, it is appropriate. It says, if you worry, don't pray. If you pray, don't worry. <laughs> okay. In other words, if you pray unto God, if you're in communication with him, you should be careful for not. You shouldn't be caring about worrying about things. But I understand that's not a possibility with us as children of, of God who are still humans. We're going to worry. We're going to be concerned. But he says, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In everything, I'm going to come back to that, Lord willing, but in every situation, there is no time when prayer is not appropriate. And notice what he goes on to say in verse 7. He says, and, okay, based upon your attitude of prayer and your constant communication and everything with God, he said, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, 
C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.